Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to the, the book of Psalms, chapter 119. Psalms 119. Hallelujah. We have, um, well, last week, journeyed into the topic of ears to hear. Amen? Say that with me. Say, I have ears to hear. I have eyes to see. I have a mind that is receptive. I have a heart that is responsive. Remember, we said that last week, that it is our desire, it's God's desire that we not only hear the word, but that we have the capacity to respond to the word. And we recognize that if we're not careful, uh, we will have ears, but not hear, and have eyes, but not see. And we journeyed into this weird tension of how can you have ears that don't hear, and how can you have eyes? Don't see. Isn't that the activity that comes? We we think it's just an implied automatic activity. I've got ears, I must be hearing. I've got eyes, I must be seeing. I've got a mind, I must be receiving. I've got a heart, I must be responding. But we recognize that the 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 latter doesn't just take place because of the former. And Jesus spoke of this in Matthew chapter 13 at the parable of the sower, and he said, If you're not careful, if you have ears to hear, but you don't steward well what you have and what you hear, you'll eventually find yourself without the capacity to even hear. It is a yielded heart that attracts the voice of God. It is a yielded heart that attracts the voice of God. It's the posture of the heart is what Jesus is addressing. How can you have ears to hear? Well, the problem is, is if we aren't careful, without a yielded heart, without a willingness internally, we'll hear a word, but we'll become dull to the word. You'll see that that, that word, the word dull, quite a bit in reference to our hearing or in, in reference to our receptivity. And remember, I, I prefaced us, I started us off last week by identifying that I believe in 2023, at least the word of God for our church and and for word churches, is we're going to have to increase our capacity to hear and become aware. In fact, I would title today's message, Raising Awareness. Raising Awareness. The church has become aware of the wrong things. The church has become more in tune to the wrong things, more focused on the wrong things. And your awareness determines your responsiveness. Your awareness determines your responsiveness. I didn't say your reaction. I didn't say the reaction. I said the response. It's one thing to react, but it's another to respond. I would say that reacting is just a shoot from the hip, just a, but a response has a thought. There's an intentionality behind it. This has happened. This is what I'm going to do in response. The world was always trying to get Jesus to react. 
but he would respond. That's why he knelt down in the sand before he spoke with his mouth. He wasn't going to react to the situation. He responded to the situation. And I think the church needs to increase its responsiveness. And the only way we're going to do that is with a heightened sensitivity to the voice of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God. I've quoted many times for you, and I'll quote again. Uh, Brother Hagen said in the last days, Kenneth E. Hagen said in the last things, the thing that's going to be most needed in the earth is men and women led by the Holy Spirit. That's going to be the most needed, most essential component of the walk of the believer, not just to just grow and develop and become something, but to truly make a change and a mark in this world for the kingdom of God. We're going to have to respond, and that's going to take a sensitivity. That's going to take another level of receptivity to God's word and God's voice. I think it's a dangerous thing that the voice of God is more equated to vagueness, uh, hard to hear, hard to receive, hard to understand. I think that's a dangerous place when the church thinks of God's voice and God's word as something difficult to grab a hold of. When I believe that God has made great uh, strides and, and great steps toward you and I having clarity in hearing his voice. And I believe in 2023, we're going to find the voice of God, the direction of God, the leading of God, and the leading of his spirit a lot easier than we've made it out to be in the past. I think it's an easy thing. Say that with me. Say it's an easy thing to hear from God. And not in a, a general sense. I mean in a direct knowing sense. I think that one of the great things about God is the fact that a God, a creator of the universe, can be so in tune. He said, I know the numbers of the number of the hairs on your head. That that's a that's a that, that is a another level of being very distinct and very intentional and very direct. And I don't think that the God of the heavens and the earth has made himself unintelligible to man. But we're going to have to work on some things. We're going to have to address some things. We're going to have to address the focus category, the attention category. Set your mind on what? Things above, not on things below. We're going to have to address the distraction category. What, what are the things that we leave? We're just adding God into the playlist, but we're not deleting anything else out of it. Come on. So now God's having to speak through and break through all the silliness that we leave. We're going to have to become intentional in this next year of cutting some things out, removing some things. Uh, we're going to have to address, uh, as we saw last week, the capacity of how much are we in God's word. Because if you want to grow in hearing God's voice, you're going to have to grow in his word. Because guess what? His voice and his word will never co contradict. You will never get God to disagree with himself. You'll never get the Holy Spirit. I might be speaking out of line here, but um, it's always going to be with the backing. In fact, the Holy Spirit confirms the word, not the other way around. I don't get a word from the Holy Spirit and then 
find scripture to back it up. Doesn't work that way. I get a word from the Holy Spirit that confirms, you know what? The Lord's been speaking that to me. Thank you for that. Anytime God is leading us, he's always going to lead us internally by the inward witness. He's going to lead us by the still small voice. And for the mature believer and the developed believer, it's one that can listen to this. And I don't need to see it, uh, you know, wow, look at that conversation. Look at, look at that person that gave me that word. Oh, you know, you thank God for the confirmations. But if all I had was a still, still small voice, I still have enough to step out and do what he's called me to do. I've got more than enough. More than enough. And so we're kind of going uh, in this direction. Um, you know, at least for last week, this week, probably next week too. And um, just to uh, go ahead and communicate, I'm sure we've been announcing it and sharing it uh, with you, but our plans for Christmas are uh, Saturday morning, Christmas Eve, December 24th. We're going to have a special Christmas Eve service, the same time that we meet on Sundays. So 10.30 a.m., December 24th, Christmas Eve, we're going to have an awesome time worshiping together. It's going to be all of our family together in one service. We will not offer uh, child care that day, but we highly encourage you, bring your children with you. Uh, they're going to enjoy it as well. Um, our worship teams and production teams have been working uh, diligently uh, to just bless you with the powerful service that's going to honor the birth of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Great time of celebration. You got family in town, bring them with you. Uh, it'll be an awesome part of your day, awesome part of your Christmas weekend. That December 25th, we will not have service. And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing for um, our Christmas plans. But here in Psalms 119, uh, this whole chapter is dedicated to the word of God and the voice of God. The longest chapter in the Bible has to deal with the word of God, his doctrines, his precepts, his commands, the blessing that comes as a result of following his word. And and, and the writer David is saying, Lord, I want to adhere to your steps. I want to follow you. I just give you a few of these uh, verses here in verse 11. One of our favorites, I'm going to read this one out of the Amplified. It says, your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. You'll notice that the writer is not just interested in what I hear. He's interested in how I hear. And that's kind of what we're focusing on in these uh, services from last week and this week, focusing on not just what I'm hearing, the content, but how I'm hearing it and how I'm receiving it and how my heart is postured toward the word of God as it's being spoken. I'm receiving it into my life. It's being sown into my heart. Remember Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all the parables? If you don't get the principles that I'm outlining here in four different categories of how the seed is sown and where it's sown and how it's received. And then one out of four produces a harvest. If you don't get those principles, how will you get the whole rest of what I'm trying to communicate and get across to you? And so he says, uh, your word have I laid up in my heart. That shows value. It tells me this, that I've got to be intentional to get the word into my heart. Just because you're sitting here this morning doesn't mean that you have laid up the word as a treasure in your heart. There's intentionality on your part. I'm not not responsible for putting the word in your heart. 
I'm giving you the word. I'm sowing the word. But what you do with the word determines what the word will do for you. I'll say that again. What you do with the word determines what the word will do for you. So I've got to do something with it. There's no farmer that just throws out seed and says, well, I hope I get a crop. What are they doing? They're watching over that, taking care of that. They're, they're, they're watering it. They're taking care of the soil around it. They're, they're doing certain things. Why? Because they know that the seed is not the end of it. The seed is where it starts, but there ought to be a harvest. There ought to be something produced. There ought to be something yielded from the seed that's gone into the soil. And so, again, it's not what they're sowing, it's how they're sowing. And that's what we're focusing on. Not out of religious practice or formality, but understanding that there's got to be some intentionality given here. Your word have I laid up in my heart. Why? So I might not sin or rebel against it. Why do we not always honor God in the results in our life? It's because we don't honor him in the planting of the word. If we would give more honor to the planting of the word, we would see the honor uh, when we are producing the word. I believe that God wants his word made flesh again. What do you mean by that? I mean that you and I become living epistles. We walk it out. We live it out. The people don't have to guess what does the word look like in action. We are doing it. We are doing it in crisis. We are doing it in trouble. We are doing it in offense and bitterness, opportunities for offense and bitterness. We are doing it. We are living it out where there's a a standard of righteousness that's being crumbled uh, and compromised. You and I are the pillars in support of truth. We are becoming a living epistle to others that they can see it in action in our lives. That's the word becoming flesh again. Living it out. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Skip down to verse 32. Verse 32. And again, I'm going to read from the the Amplified. But I sure do love when you bring your Bibles because it it adds another element of your engagement um, or your device or whatever you use. But uh, it's, it's very important. Don't just rely on our screens behind us. Um, you have an opportunity to highlight, you have an opportunity to put stars and underline. And if you don't have a Bible, you can write in, get rid of it and get one you can write in. Amen. It's, it's, there's something about that activity that really draws you into it. Verse 32 says, I will not merely walk, but run the way of your commandments. I love that. I'm not just going to walk the way. I'm going to run. What does that show? Intentionality. I'm going after this thing. I'm going to run with your word. When you give me a heart that is what? Willing. What are we talking about? The yielded heart attracts the voice of God. We said this last week, and uh, for those of you that might not have been in here or been here with us last week, we said uh, that if you want to hear the voice of God clearer, say yes before he speaks. Hello, say yes before he speaks. You'd be amazed at how uh, opened up the scriptures will become, the word will become when he knows I got someone that's going to respond whatever I speak. And you're serving a king that has your best interest at heart. That You know, uh, we, we, we've all been there 
where someone has, you know, come to us, hey, would you do me a favor? Depends. I mean, I want to agree, but I'm, I'm holding out this little 10% that you're going to ask me to do something crazy that I can't do or won't be willing to do. But with God, we don't have to worry that he's going to pull a quick one on us. Now, he doesn't mean that you might agree with it. Doesn't mean you might even be comfortable with it. Well, you know, pastor, he won't give you anything you can't bear. Oh, absolutely he will. Because that's where you learn you're not strong enough, but you got to rely on his strength. Anybody with me? Absolutely will. But I will tell you this. He will never give you something that you have not been supplied with the capacity to do it, go through it, endure it, come out on the other side victorious. He will make you victorious. Gideon and his 300 men sure didn't feel victorious going in, but he supplied them with the capacity. If you honor my word and do what I'm asking you to do, you will come out on the other side in victory. Amen. He says, I'm going to run with your word when you give me a heart that is willing. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end steadfastly. Again, we're seeing the activity on our end. He brings the word. I'm not responsible for getting the word. I'm not responsible for coming up with the word. I'm listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But then once he speaks, what's my response to it? Give me understanding that I may keep your law. Yes, I will observe it with my whole heart. Make me go in the path of your commandments, for in them do I delight. I love this in uh, verse 130. We're just looking at a few of these verses. Um, it'd be great for you to take chapter, uh, Psalms 119 and just read through the whole thing. It's fantastic. 150 verses, but it is awesome what's revealed in these verses. Verse 130 says this, the entrance and unfolding of your words give light. Their unfolding gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension to the simple. I want you to know today that God wants to speak to you. God wants to lead you. God wants to guide you. God doesn't want you in the, the vague, mystical, mysterious, this God in the clouds. Uh, you know, we, we love to use the verse, well, you know, pastor, his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher. Absolutely they are, but elevate your ways and elevate your thinking and elevate your capacity to see on the level that God sees. I have no right to think of myself anything that God doesn't already think about me. But this happens when we accept low-level thinking. When we accept subpar thinking and subpar perspectives below what God has called us. His ways are higher, and he's saying, elevate yours up to mine. See yourself the way I see you. See the situation the way I see it. God has a perspective. You notice the perspective doesn't change the thing. It just changes how you see the thing. Some of us want to see something different, and God wants us to see something differently. 
You see the difference? We want a different situation. And he says, well, if you could just see what I'm doing in the midst of the situation you're in right now, you might not need a different situation. A lot of times we're asking God to do uh, what uh, we want him to do on the level that we're on. And he says, come up here real quick and see what I'm doing and see if you'd still be asking for the same thing. Look at the character I'm building. Look at the strength I'm building in your endurance. Look at the capacity I'm pulling out of you. Look at the gifts that I'm uh, imploring. Look at the strengthening that I'm giving you. Because when you're weak, I'm strong. My grace is sufficient for you. And so many of us never tap into his grace because we're always working in ours. We never tap into his strength because we're always working in ours. Well, this comes as a result of hearing and seeing his word at a different level than just scraping the surface, the bare minimum. This is about going to another level. I talked about a heightened level of sensitivity. Uh, I mean, anybody believe in God for something in 2020? Anybody already started setting your mind on, I know what I'm believing God. I know what I want to, well, you need to get there. We're running out of 2022. In January 1, you know, I always say when in the middle of the storm, it's too late to build the boat. Let's build the boat before we get there, right? We need to have some things instilled before in preparation. Amen. Whatever your belief in God for next year, I promise you, it will take another level of sensitivity. Another level of reception to God's word. You know, one of the biggest things that we always encourage, and and you'll see it here and probably, you know, next week, maybe the week after that, is we always encourage our church to read through the Bible within a year. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, cover to cover? I mean, every single verse that's in there, it's incredible. You don't do it for pride. You don't do it, uh, you know, to check off a box. You do it because you love the Lord and that's his word and you want to be in it. Well, Pastor, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. Well, then lean on the Holy Spirit and let him show you some stuff. And the cool thing is, is I'll go through a verse, uh, you know, last year and be like, man, you know, I don't really know what that was for. And then the next year, he'll show me. And it may have just simply been I wasn't ready to receive it the year before. And then God did some stuff in me, and now he could open this up. You know, Jesus told his disciples that. There's many more things I want to share with you, but you can't bear them now. So I pray in 2023 I can bear something in God's word I couldn't bear in 2022. We're growing. We're we're, we're progressing. We're developing in hearing the voice of God and knowing the voice of God and understanding his word, but this is what I know. My obedience doesn't follow understanding. My obedience follows revelation. I don't have to understand it to step in it. If you're waiting for understanding, it may never come because he wants the yielded heart that doesn't have to make sense. You said do it, I do it. You don't have to explain it all. You don't have to spell it out. You don't have to show me all the ins and outs. I can promise you if God showed you all the ins and outs, you wouldn't take it. I mean, I I know that for a fact. As much as you think you want to know every step along the way, if he showed you every step you had to take, you'd be like, nah, no thanks. You'd actually probably think it was the devil. You'd be rebuking it. You'd be, not today, Satan. Pull your refrigerator magnet out. Nuh uh. And Satan's like, that ain't me. That's that. That's the big man over there. 
Amen. No, I just want to step in obedience. God speaks, we go. And understanding comes as a process. It's very important to understand the value of not what we hear, but how we hear. Go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. You may remember that we read out of Romans chapter 10, specifically in verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we helped dig down into that a little bit and understand that faith comes by hearing, but hearing or the capacity to hear comes from the word of God. So we understood that if I limit my exposure or limit my activity in the word of God, I'm actually compromising my ability to hear, which then compromises my ability to build my faith on what I hear. And this is where Jesus said, if you you don't steward well what you have, even what you have will be taken away. What does that mean? To the one that doesn't have, even what he has will be taken. It means that if you're not obedient and responsive to the word and receptive to it, then you'll eventually lose the capacity to even hear the word of God in the first place. And that's the dullness we were talking about earlier. He addresses that in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 5, this is what it says. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Aren't you thankful to be part of the remnant? If you don't know if you are, just be thankful anyways. You'll find out quick enough what's a remnant. You'll find out. I just promise you it's way better to be part of the minority than the majority. Let's just make that clear. You want to be part of the few. Narrow is the way and few that enter it. Amen? But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Remember, we talked about that last week, the hardening of the heart, the the blindness of the eyes. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear. If you remember, uh, we said last week that that's actually the mercy of God to close your ability to hear what he knows you will not be responsible with. To close the eyes and to close the, the ears and to close the mind and the heart to his word when he knows you will respond in disobedience. It's actually his mercy. Why? Because the second you hear a word, receive a word, you become responsible for that word. You now become accountable for that word. And it's God's mercy to say, ah, that's why Jesus said there's many more things I would like to say, but you can't bear them, so I'm not gonna put that on you if you can't handle it, and I know you're gonna fail in trying to handle it. See, when your heart becomes closed off, when your, when your heart is not in a posture to receive, I, I've had people tell me that they, they, they've come to this church uh, and, and, and then they left and, and we've had some leave and then come back. And the second go around, 
They were much more responsive and much more open, whether it was the trials of life or whether it was a struggle or a challenge that broke them to, man, I, I got to, you know, whatever it is that said, I got to get serious about this. But the first go around, we weren't preaching anything different. We weren't preaching anything less effective. I've grown as a pastor. I've grown as a teacher and a preacher, but you know, the word is the word. And it contained the capacity to deliver them back then as it, just as much as it does today. But now their heart's in a different posture. Now their heart's in a position to receive. Now their heart's in a position to be obedient. Now their heart's in a position to, God, whatever you have. Not the picking and choosing as long as it sounds like what I want it to sound like. As long as he says what I already agree with and believe with, believe in. There's two ways you can come in here. You can come in here saying, is he going to say what I already know? Or is he going to say something that I have yet to know? It's two different postures. And no matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, no matter how long spiritually we've been disciplined in this, there's always more to know. I love that about God's word. It's alive. It's active. And just like I told you before, I may read something next year that I read this year, but all of a sudden it's illuminated. It's opened up. The revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's like, man, that's been there the whole time. Anybody ever read the same verse and gotten different messages out of it? Absolutely. That's what an alive and active word will do for you. So I don't ever want to close myself off to the, I've heard it before. I don't ever want to close myself off to the, this is the way it must be. And there's nothing I can do. Now it's just hearing the same thing that I've always heard and knowing the same thing I've always heard. There's a liveliness to it. There's an intentionality to it. But he says here that God, eyes gave them eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. And they amplified it reads this way, starting with verse five. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant, a small believing minority. We covered that. Selected, chosen by grace, by God's unmerited favor and graciousness. But if it is by grace, his unmerited favor and graciousness, it is no longer conditioned on works or anything men have done. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. It would be meaningless. What then shall we conclude? Israel failed to obtain what it sought, God's favor, by obedience to the law. Only the elect, those chosen few, obtained it, while the rest of them became callously indifferent, blinded, hardened, and made insensible to it. This is how you go into a promised land that he's promised you for thousands and thousands of years to your forefathers and to your ancestors. And you deny the very obvious works that this is what God has given to you. And you walk out a doubter rather than a believer. Y'all with me? Numbers chapter 13, where the 12 went in, spied out the land. And we came, we came back with 10 that had a bad report and two that had a good report. How? How? 
This is what Abraham promised. This is what they were believing for all throughout. But they were hardened, darkened, blinded, calloused, it says. That's that dull. So you go in and see, this is the problem is when you have this kind of, um, you know, uh, posture or position of your heart, when this happens, even the most obvious won't turn you. You'll watch miracles take place right in front of you and still deny. Pharisees and Sadducees did this, didn't they? They'd see the miracles. They couldn't deny them. You might even remember in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John were standing uh, before, uh, you know, the the, the royal council and the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees at that time. And it literally says they saw the man there that they had known for years was seated at that gate called Beautiful, lame. They saw him healed, and they couldn't deny it. They couldn't explain it, but yet their hearts were still hardened to God and his word. And they still yet threatened Peter and John and said, don't ever preach in that name. How does that happen? It's the posture of the heart. Not ready to receive. As it is written, verse 8, God gave them a spirit, an attitude of stupor, eyes that should not see, ears that should not hear, that has continued down to this very day. And David says, let their table, their feasting, banqueting, become a snare and a trap and a pitfall and a just retribution, rebounding like a boomerang upon them, it says. Let their eyes be darkened, dimmed, so that they cannot see, and make them bend their backs, stooping beneath their burden forever. Go with me to 2 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul here in his letter to the Corinthian church goes a little deeper and helps us understand this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Not what we hear, but how we hear. Verse 12 says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. If you remember, Moses, when he went up to receive the Ten Commandments and to receive the law and the direction from the Lord, when he came down off of that mountain, the glory of the Lord shone about him, so much so that he had to cover his face because it shone so bright. That was for the safety of the Israelites. Again, I remind you that there will be a veiling or there will be a covering or there will be a a darkening, if you will, to save you if you are not prepared and ready to receive what God is trying to do. He could reveal himself to Moses because Moses postured his heart differently. But for the rest of the Israelites, it would have what 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 blessed Moses would have been a burden to the Israelites. So he veiled it. He covered it intentionally. Again, not to be mysterious. Not to hide it and say, no, not right now. Oh, I hope you, one, maybe one day you'll, no, he's knowing, he knows you can't handle what I'm trying to show you. 
Your heart's not postured there yet. Your heart's not ready for that amount of glory. I can't reveal myself to you in that way. So there's a veiling. There's a covering. Verse 14, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because, here it is, only through Christ is it taken away. Their minds were hardened. Even today, when they read the old covenant, they can't receive it for what it is. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Verse 16 says, but when one turns to the Lord, the yielded heart attracts the voice of God. When one turns to the Lord, the what? The veil is removed. Praise God, you and I can see with clarity. You and I can know with an understanding and a revelation. You and I can hear and be led by the Spirit of God. I mean, if Peter, in Matthew chapter 16, can be led by the Spirit of God and say, yes, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and Jesus respond and say, what? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. If Peter can get that kind of revelation. Guys, in an old covenant, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Jesus hadn't been risen yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't come and lived inside. I remind you that most of the people you read about in the Old Testament lived far below what you and I are living at today. Far below. You're going to ask Moses what it was like to see seas parted. You're going to ask Gideon what it was like to defeat an army of 120,000 people with 300. You're going to ask David what it was like to kill a giant with a slingshot. And they're going to look at you and say, tell us what it was like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Forget the seas parting. Forget the giants dying. Forget the armies being obliterated. What is it like to have the Holy Spirit to live inside of you? The ever-present help in time of trouble. The voice of God never having to go to an altar, go to a priest, go behind a curtain, and hope you don't die on the way there. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, leading and guiding and speaking. We have a great commodity today, guys. Then you get to the New Testament, and they don't have Bibles. They've got letters. <laughs> letters. But the, the, the church at Corinth didn't get the letter from of Ephesus. The church at Ephesus didn't get the letter to the Thessalonians. We got all of them. I saw a thing the other day that said, if Paul saw the state of the American church, we'd be getting a letter. <laughs> I thought that was great. They're working on first Americans right now. He's, it's, it's coming. I said that to Craig. He said, it's coming overnight mail. That's coming next day air. And he's getting that one out. I mean, if those seven churches and revelations got a letter from Jesus, we, we can't be that far off. God, why do we need a letter when they've got all the, they've got all the messed up letters and we can just 
read their homework, guys. We can cheat on the test and say, hey, don't do that over there. But yet we, we repeat stuff, don't we? No, we've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the written word of God. We've got the rhema word of God. We've got the logos word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit living in. We, have, we are beyond excuse, guys. Not only that, but Romans 1 tells us that, that the, the manifestation of God's glory is evident to all. It's obvious. Obvious to all. We just need to use what we got. Not what I hear, but how I hear. Amen. Um, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We make so much of freedom and deliverance and liberty. And God says, that's easy. You're one word away from deliverance. I would put it to you this way. You don't need another word. God doesn't need to write another book. He doesn't need to add any more chapters. We've got more than enough to act on now. That if we would change the posture of the heart in our response and receptivity to it, we would see it turn all the things around that we want to see turned around. The direction and the guidance. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Being. That shows that it's not a one-time event, and that shows it's not a past-time event. It's a consistent, ongoing process. I'm being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I'm going to read this to you in the Passion Translation. Uh, let's begin with verse 13 here. We're not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened. You know, I would tell you this, that the Israelites ran the same risk and actually ran the same course as Pharaoh. Every uh, plague that came to Pharaoh did the same thing for Pharaoh that every miracle that came to the Israelites did in the wilderness. Guys, it's not the miracles that's going to save us. It's not the sensational, the exceptional, I thank God for miracles, and he is a miracle-working God. He, he can do the miraculous. But if you think that, well, God, if you show me this, I'll turn my heart, you're no different than the Pharaoh, and you're no different than the Israelite in the wilderness. I remind you, it's the heart that's postured. Joshua and Caleb were convinced before they ever went on that mission. What do we say? They didn't go in to get a report. They went in with a report. And I don't care what I see on the other side. I don't care what they tell me. I don't care how the test comes back. 
I don't care uh, what the report is. I know what God's report is. Now, it's not going to do you any good to ignore the reports, but you can deny it and say, thank you for your assessment as naturally as you can, as good as you can, but I've got another report, and I'm going to stand on this report, and we're going to watch this report align with this report. Come on. You're going to find yourself in those points. If you haven't yet, you're on the verge of. You either just came out of a miracle, in the middle of a miracle, or about to get a miracle. Amen. You live by faith. The just shall live by faith, not by comfort. So, I've got to be convinced of some things before. Before. Their minds were closed and hardened for even to this uh, day. Are we in the passion? Yep, the passion. Verse 14, the same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them. It is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Is that what we're talking about, the posture of our heart? And the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We want freedom, but we don't want to make Jesus Lord. We want freedom, but we don't want to elevate the priority and the value and the honor to the voice of God and the word of God. And you don't get one without the other. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. With no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Last one I'll give you on 2 Corinthians 3 in the Amplified. Verse 16 says this. But when a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. See, the Lord knows beforehand if you'll have a position of a heart that will turn to him. Before the word comes, before the revelation comes, before the leading comes, before the, the uh, making the unknown known comes. Will they repent? Will they turn away? Not just sinfulness, repent from old thinking. There's a lot of things we got to repent from, guys. Please don't make repentance a one-time event. Well, I repented and I came into the kingdom and I made Jesus. Bro, we got a lot of repenting to do. That was just the first one. Repenting of my sins and now I've got to align my life and my principles and my my ideas and my agendas and my purposes with heaven. I'm constantly repenting, daily repenting. Why? You know, we, we read that in Romans chapter 10 and then Romans chapter 11. Anybody know what Romans 12 verse 1 says? And verse 2, y'all know what it says. Be renewed. Be renewed. Have a renewed mind, renewed thinking. 
it leads us right into that. Leads us right into the capacity that I need my mind renewed from the old to the new. I need my mind renewed from what I thought it was, what I think it is, to what God has always been trying to do. I need a renewed mind. Whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, freedom. And all of us is with unveiled face because we continue to behold in the word of God. You become what you behold. You'll become what you behold. You want to become more like Christ? Behold Christ. What's that mean? I'm in it intentionally. I'm giving it my attention. I'm giving it my focus. I'm giving it my mind. I'm giving it my thoughts. I'm giving it who I am. All of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, going right on into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1 takes us right in. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, here it is, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the the light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Worship team, if you come. There's a renouncing. There's a relinquishing. God is not looking to add his his revelation to what you already know. There is a laying down of what I do know, of what I think, of what I've been through. You'll find that the more you walk with the Lord and the more that you uh, yield to the Lordship of Christ, the more that it will confront where you're at and what you do. I like to put it this way. We don't read the Bible. The Bible reads us. It's a mirror. It's reflecting. 
And people always get surprised and people always get thrown off and people always get, uh, you know, bent out of shape when they read the word and there is uh, something out of alignment. There's something that uh, is revealed in the word that doesn't jive with what I thought, with what I've experienced, with what I've been through, with what I was taught, with what grandma said, with what my last pastor said. There's always going to be that tension. There's always going to be that level of contradiction. And I'm going to tell you right now, if the, if the word in my life doesn't line up, it's not the word's problem. It's my problem. There's a relinquishing that needs to take place. There's a laying down that needs to take place. There's a letting go of that needs to take place. We cannot beg God for more revelation when we have not stewarded well what we already have. I can't cry out to God. See, I started off by saying we're aware of the wrong things. A believer that complains is aware of the wrong things. A believer that worries is aware of the wrong things. A believer that begs God and cries out to God in a position of groveling is aware of the wrong things. Come on. What do you need? You need to know your position in Christ. You need to know the authority that you have. You need to know the power of your king. You need to know what one word can do. You need to know what his word can change and transform in your life. And if there's things that I need to let go of and undo and unhinge, then I need to lay that down. Knowledge puffs up. That's out of the Bible. That's not just a natural principle, although it can be. You ever met someone that knows everything about everything? Well, thank you so much, Google. Should I just call you Siri? Come on, people want to be in the know. People want to be informed. People want to be well-versed. But I wonder if the knowledge that we're accumulating, we talked about this last week, the, the content that we consume, I wonder if it's making us worse, not better. I wonder if we just know too much. I wonder if there are just some things that God is trying to reveal and he's just saying, man, I can't even show you until you let that go. I can't even reveal it until you unhinge this thinking. I call it stinking thinking. We've all got some. Whether it be from a divorce a lost loved one. We prayed and believed for their healing and they didn't get it. So now it zaps my, the, the direction of my thinking. I can't hear by his stripes you were healed like I heard before. I can't hear well healing is the children's bread like I heard before. And now all of a sudden the words aligning to my life instead of my life aligning to the word. Come on. God is never at the mercy of what I can conclude is true. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And the revelation knowledge, that's where we're gonna go next week. I know that, I just got that. We're talking about the revelation knowledge. Because 
in this next year, and for many of us even right now, information is not going to set us free. Information is not going to make you a better Christian. Information is not going to get you the answer you're believing for. Information is not going to help you one bit. Who do they say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the other. That's information. What's the world telling me? What's the, what are the surroundings telling me? No, I need revelation by the Spirit of God from heaven, from God the King on the throne on high, from Him, directly from Him. The Holy Spirit only says what He hears the Father say. The Holy Spirit only bears witness to the Father, nothing else. The Holy Spirit doesn't even give you His own spin on it. We need revelation. And I need to be open to revelation. I just give you a little preview, a little sneak peek. But you can go into those letters, Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians and Corinthians and Thessalonians. And you'll see repeatedly where Paul was praying for the church. He wasn't praying for their sanctuaries to grow. He wasn't praying for their building campaigns. He wasn't praying that their uh, outreach programs would, 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 go, good, would go better. Uh, he wasn't praying. He was praying that the mind and the heart of the believer would be open to the revelation knowledge. Why? That's what's going to get you over. Everything you want, everything you need, everything you're longing for, it's on the other side of revelation. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.